CBS Monday. NCIS! Here's where we can see them. NCIS and NCIS Hawaii return with all new cases. Double tap to the chest, one to the head. These guys are professionals. All new criminals. Violent Island, you got here. Walk in paradise. And all new crimes to be solved. If you're watching this, I've been arrested. What are the charges? Just one. Murder. New NCIS and NCIS Hawaii. Monday, starting at 9, 8 central on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Now available in more homes than the Pac-12 Network, we are the podcast of champions. I'm David Woods from Bruin Report Online. And here he goes, Miles Jack! And I'm Ryan Abraham from uscfootball.com. Liner, going to try to sneak it ahead. Touchdown, SC! We are the podcast of champions. Welcome everyone back to the podcast of champions. I'm David Woods from Bruin Report Online, the UCLA site on the 24-7 Sports Network. And I'm Ryan Abraham from uscfootball.com. That's the USC site on the 24-7 Sports Network. And together we make the podcast of champions talking all things Pac-12 football. If you can tell, David and I are not in the same room, but we're recording at the same time, so it's progress. We're getting there. Still got no donuts in the office, but that's okay. But we're going to do a show. I know David's got a tight schedule today. He's a busy man, this David Woods. I mean, just doing – are you doing two UCLA podcasts today, David? I mean, you're just doing a lot of stuff. I'm just doing so much, Ryan. It's uh, it's a joy to produce <laughs> this work for all of you out there. Um, it's uh, – you know, the only payment I take is uh, in your – your comments and your reviews, which we didn't get any of this week. Oh, um, and so it's a, it's an unsatisfying uh, day for me. We, I did, recorded a podcast with Chris Trevino uh, yesterday for USC and, you know, people commenting. So what on the message board, this is like our premium message board. You pay money to subscribe to uscfootball.com. And someone said like, it's tough to listen to you two guys. <laughs> it's <just> like, okay, <laughs> thanks. <laughs> it's like you're and you're VIP, like you're paying to do this. Like, so, all right, well, but thank you. you know, I guess that's the equivalent of the five-star review when one of your paying subscribers says, yeah, I can't really listen to you. No, it actually isn't the equivalent of a five-star review. What I would prefer very much is that um, the, uh, the five-star reviews also give us money. That would be nice. I, w- I would love that. So that would be good. I don't think the, VIP, the VIP negative review is even is 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 even better. We want those. <laughs> so instead, all right. So new format. Instead of a five star review, give us five dollars every single time you're compelled to write a review. And if you don't have the money, just leave us a five star review. There you go. Too. We love it. Uh, nice. All right. Well, if you want to get a hold of us, we want to keep this tight today. Email us packfulpodcast at gmail.com. Call or text us at four two four five three two zero six seven eight. Tweet us over at Pac-12 Podcast or go to our website, Pac-12Podcast.com, for all of the content that we've put up there. We have Reddit as well. You can chat with other POC listeners and Pac-12 fans at reddit.com slash r slash podcast of champions. And David already solicited the reviews. If you're walking, watching listening on Apple Podcasts, uh, you can follow us there and rate us with five stars and then say whatever you want about us. And we will definitely read it on the air. You can give us five stars over at Spotify. 
as well. All right, David, we should uh, jump into some of the the news. I don't know if it's uh, considered uh, breaking news. I know this is going to be stuff you really care about, super care about. I always care about news on this show. Yeah, um, because, you know, several months from now, the football is going to be kicked into the air. We call that the kickoff, and it starts these games. So the games that we are talking about throughout the many, many months of the offseason, we know what times many of these games are going to start. We call those the kickoff times. Now, a lot of fans want to know what they are early because hey, can, they want can to. You make a, can you make a, a note to include what I'm about to say as like um, a new drop? Uh, I can hold on. I could definitely do that. So new drop and we are, okay. What are we at? Like, you know, two minutes, three minutes in. Okay. What's up? Who gives a fuck? (laughs) Well, people care. They want to know when they can tailgate. Um, they want to know what time to watch, you know, like, you know, when when you want to know when you're in the tailgate, like three days before the game. So these people like they're like they're like booking stuff in advance. They're you know planning their menus. They want to know where they can park. I mean, people want to know these things, David. How many months in advance are we now? Three. Uh, we just started June, July, August, I mean, September. Do you, even, do you even plan wedding menus three months in advance? Get out of here. That's like a year and a half in advance sometimes. Yeah, um, well, anyway. So it's basically the weeks of September 3rd, 10th, and 17th. Um, There's going to be nine appearances on broadcast television, a few more on ESPN. So that's good for the conference. A lot of opportunity, and we'll go over some of the bigger games, for high-profile games against Power 5 opponents. We saw the Pac-12 start off really well last year. Uh, UCLA, Chip Kelly getting a big win over LSU. Oregon. Uh, going in and uh, and beating Ohio State in the shoe. And then things kind of dropped off a cliff after that. So I think it's really important for George Klyavkov to kind of get this going and get some, you know, get some wins in some of these high-profile games. We talked, you know, Oregon, Landani going to his old stomping grounds, uh, going to play Georgia. That'll be on ABC. Uh, Washington State, uh, Jake Dickert, man, can he get some momentum going up there in the north? He's going to play Wisconsin on Fox. Uh, Cal is going to Notre Dame, and that's going to be on NBC. They haven't gone there in 55 years. Uh, And then Utah, the uh, Pac-12, reigning Pac-12 champions, they're going to open at Florida, and that's going to be on ESPN. So some big big ones in the first uh, few weeks of the season, David. I think it's really important that Pac-12 make some statements. I don't know if you have to win them all, but you can't get blown out all of them. I think that would look really bad for the conference. Yeah, and I don't think they would. Um, I, I mean, I think Utah, Florida, uh, Utah's probably going to be favored in that game. Um, yeah, I think so. I think Utah will. So there's that. And then, I mean, Oregon, Georgia, I think, you know, if you can keep that, like, competitive in the first half, probably good enough. Like, just, you know, make it so that they have to talk about Oregon football for at least 30 minutes instead of uh, it just turning into an advertisement for the SEC. <laughs> That, that'd be fine. That, 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 that's good enough. Um, and then the other two, I, I don't even think they're that significant. I mean, Wisconsin, Washington State, nobody's going to make any grand determinations off of that. And I mean, Cal Notre Dame, if they somehow, you know, looked competitive enough in that one, that would be good. But I don't know how significant it is. I think the 
the Notre Dame versus Stanford and USC will always have more um, uh, meaning, I think, for people making determinations like that. Yeah. Uh, well, so I'll, I'll kind of go over this quickly. For week one, um, there's one, two, three, four, five, six games on Pac-12 Network. Now, a lot of this is like Thursday, September 1st. That's going to kick off the Pac-12 season. Uh, Northern Arizona at Arizona State. Uh, on the Pac-12 network, uh, TCU at Colorado. That'll be an interesting one. That's that's Friday. So, there, I think we'll, you know, the NAU game's not going to do much to get us into the football season. But seeing TCU go to Colorado, and as Pac-12 fans, we hope that's not going to be a thrashing, but it's probably going to be a thrashing because Colorado is pretty bad. Um, that's going to be an ESPN game, and then they have a whole bunch of games on Saturday, ranging from a couple 1230 games with uh, Arizona at San Diego State. Another, I think that's a good one, really, to start off. Um, you know, I'm sorry, 1130, Bowling Green is at UCLA on Pac-12 Network. So that kind of starts off that Saturday, September 3rd. But we got, there's a bunch of early games. You know, Arizona at San Diego State, like that'll be interesting. Oregon at Georgia at the same time, uh, you know, in Atlanta on ABC. Uh, even a one o'clock game, UC Davis at California. Um, and there's, there's two late ones with Boise state at Oregon state and Kent state at Washington. But, um, you know, the Utah, Florida game is in there too. That's going to be a 4 PM Pacific start. So I think you, that first weekend is looking pretty good for some, some cool games. Uh, you know, starting the TCU Colorado one on Friday night, I think that's really going to be something that gets us ready into, all right, we're packed up football starting, like let's, let's go. And there'll be some really cool matchups and we, we should know a whole bunch about, some of these teams and some of their debuts uh, after week one. Yeah. And I mean, UCLA Bowling Green, that should tell us a lot. That's, <laughs> I highlighted some of the other ones, David, <laughs> but they're, but that's like, you know, I like the spread. You're talking, you know, game at 1130, two at 1230, uh, one at one, one at three, one at four, one at five, one at six thirty, one at seven thirty. I mean, two at seven thirty. Like there's a bunch, right? Like, so I like that. Um, week two, uh, that, you know, we already mentioned the Washington state at, uh, these are only Saturday games for week two, but starting at 10 30 in the morning, Southern Utah is playing Utah. So that's a, you know, 11, 1130, uh, mountain time, um, you know, PAC 12 network there, another week of a lot of PAC 12 network games, five on the PAC 12 network, a couple of them, you're not going to be able to get nationally. Um, so like the Portland state at Washington game and UNLV at Cal, those are going to be, they're both at one o'clock. You got to get those on the local networks instead. But Colorado, you know, not much easier. They're going to Air Force that next week, and it's going to be nationally televised on CBS. <laughs> so, but the you know, Washington State at Wisconsin on Fox, that's going to be cool. Uh, Arizona State going to Oklahoma State. I mean, are we thinking bloodbath? It's potential bloodbath. And we have the conference opener, USC at Stanford, ABC game, 4.30 p.m., uh, I think that's pretty cool. And Mississippi State coming to Arizona. That's the late game, uh, 8 p.m. on FS1. That be, might be a big advantage for Arizona just that's playing that late. I mean, that's that's starting, I believe, at 11 p.m. Mississippi time. So, uh, and Oregon State's going to uh, Fresno State. So, some some good ones I think in week two as well. But not maybe not some of the high marquee matchups that we saw from week one. Okay. All right. Anything, anything stand out to you? Where are the Bruins? From, the Bruins from, that would... list, from that list of games being played three months from now um, and the times <laughs> and the networks that we play upon, no, I have no other takeaways. Um, I will say um, Colorado's going to have a hard time this season. Just oh, my God. Really, really thinking about their schedule, um, you know, now that we're getting kind of closer to it. 
gonna we're going to get really into it. Season. Going to be a yeah. very very hard season. Our buddy John Wilner um, ranked all the the you know schedules from easiest to difficult, most difficult. Uh, UCLA had the easiest one. Colorado had the hardest one. So we'll get to that in a little bit. But um, and you can see why in week three. So this is September seventeenth. Another pretty good spread. I mean they have. You know, the 11, 11 o'clock game, 11.30 game, 12.30 game, 12.30 game. So Ryan, I mean, there's Ryan, early you're describing You were describing the non-conference slate every single year. Yes, there are games all day. I like day. it. I like it. I like the way it's brought. Not as many on the Pac-12 network this week. Uh, but the highlights, Cal at Notre Dame. So they got to play before noon Pacific time. It's 11.30 a.m. on NBC. Um, Colorado, you know, they had a pretty... Wait, wait, you're, you're really diving into re- re- reading us the week three games now, right? Well, hold on, David. Colorado had a you know tough road week one, week two. We assume week three is going to get easier. No, they're on the road at Minnesota, uh, 1230 uh, ESPN2. Some other highlights, BYU is going to Oregon. Michigan State coming to Washington, kind of like that. San Diego State at Utah, some revenge there. That's uh, That's a late game. 7 p.m. and uh, Fresno State's going to be at USC at 7:30 p.m. game. So we have some good ones there. Some great games. Great yes. football games going to be played in the football season. That's going to be yeah. So David loves this kind of stuff. Frequently on Saturdays, but sometimes on other days as well. Yeah, some other days. Um, they did announce a few. And uh, at a variety of times, the games are not time. all played. At- same time they are played at a variety of times and and this is most important if you have intentions of viewing them on different television stations and in different locations some of them take place in the footprint of the pac-12 some of them take place outside of the footprint at opposing schools and some still take place at neutral sites which also happen to be usually in the footprint of the opposing Man, squad you you summed that up so perfect, like just so succinct. I just yeah. love the way you did that, David. Thank you. Thank You're you welcome. for. I'm, I'm glad you bought in. I'm glad yeah. you bought in to the early season schedule release. Um, we're all there. We're all ready. We're we're chomping at the bit to get some Pac-12 football in there. We are fired up. We are ready to go. What? Why do you play the season, David? Why do you play the regular season so you can so you go can get bowling? It. No, no. So you can go through it all and then have the schedule released the next year because that's the big ticket item. When the schedule, so you want to you want to play the season, so that you're done with the season, so that the schedule release for next year is coming even faster. That's true. But you, all we want to do is go over when the games will be the next year. I mean, that's the really my highlight. That's the highlight. I mean, spring games and then schedule releases. That's where that's where my bread is buttered. Mr. I get Woods. it. Uh, and uh, you know, there's some things I don't like. I don't like a watch lists for awards and things like that. I do like bowl schedules. Yes, you want to know where the Pac-12 teams are going to be playing. Another, another favorite, of Mr. Woods. This is gonna. But it's it's treating it's treating this show six months ahead of any of these bowl games, <laughs> as if it will be the reference item for anyone other than Hifla Day, who has an encyclopedic memory of every single show we've ever created, right. and or listens to them every day for an entire week, every time we record them. But yes, please tell them the schedule and the time <laughs> and the networks of these games six months from now. Okay, there's I, just the way it's released. I don't really love this, uh, the way it's spaced out. I mean, you have two Pac-12 Bowl games on the same day, December 17th. Now it could be a 
you get a double header, but it's December 17th, like two Pac-12 teams will be playing. I do like how it's spread out who the opponents are. The LA Bowl, uh, that's versus Mouse, Mountain West opponent. That was the Jimmy Kimmel Bowl from this last year. And then, so that's a 12:30 game on ABC. And then the Las Vegas Bowl, the Pac-12 versus the SEC at 4:30 on ABC. So back-to-back ABC games. But the Pac-12 does get to play every single Power Five conference this year in the bowl season. So Las Vegas Bowl versus the SEC. We get a long break till December 20, 29th. The Alamo Bowl, that's uh, against the Big 12 opponent. The next day, December 30th, the Sun Bowl, you get to play an ACC opponent. Uh, that's an early game too, 11 a.m. on CBS. And then January 2nd this year for the Rose Bowl against the Big Ten, traditional matchup, of course, 2 p.m. on ABC. You got to have the sun setting in the third quarter and all that stuff uh, over the San Gabriels. But yes, uh, lovely Pasadena. But, the, you know, uh, what is it? Because it's a Sunday, you have to do a January. I forget what the why they do the January 2nd game. I think it's when it lands on a Sunday or something, right? Fully don't care. Don't care at all. I mean, don't know. Don't it's care. It's the Rose Bowl. It's don't care what day it happens. Yeah, it's a January first is a Sunday, so that's why. Right. Um. But okay, do you like the fact that you get to play as Pac-12 every other Power Five conference in a bowl game? Uh, do you, do you yeah, that's nice. That? Okay, that's, that's great. We love it. Wow, love it. your interest level is super I, high. I I cannot. I, I, I honestly, I, I am in protest of this show right now. We've spent 17 minutes talking about schedules that will not happen for three months at minimum. Okay, it is June 2nd. What? <laughs> so let's talk Disney princesses. Let's talk anything else. Nobody cares. Like, not even the people who are football fans care about this. I think they do. Wow. We, we, we have, I have my little cult following of people that actually like to talk about the Pac-12 oh, in the offseason. I know. Uh, okay, well, what about this one? Do you want to talk about and our, our friend John Wilner, uh, Mercury News, does a yeah, great this job. This is actually something. Like, this is something where we're doing some qualitative analysis of, like, the various teams and all that kind of stuff. So this is something. Okay. John Wilner released his rankings for the schedules from most to least difficult. Uh, this, what was this, a couple days ago? Today? Uh, this was, uh, yeah, May 31st, a couple days May 30. ago. Uh, as Ryan previewed, uh, Colorado comes in number one. The reason for that is they've got only six home games. All three of their opponents are like real teams, TCU, Air Force, and Minnesota. And then in conference play, they get stuck playing Cal instead of Stanford, which is probably not good, and Washington instead of Washington State, which is probably not good. Yeah, but they, they also play, play Oregon. Friday. It's not good. No. That's good. Uh, it's a six and six home road split. So they don't get a little bonus there. They got TCU on a Friday. The USC game is a road game on a Friday. Um, I mean, two out of conference opponents on the road with Air Force in Minnesota. Uh, you know, they play USC and Washington on the road. You know, you get Oregon at home, but like, okay, you get Utah at home, but okay, those are not going to be good. Uh, they host Arizona State, and we're not sure, wh- you know, which of these teams are going to be circling the drain faster. So there's a winnable game there. there there's but... there's there's one obvious win on the schedule, and I think it's that one. You think that's an obvious win? I think it's the only one that I would say they're going to be favored in. 
that's scary, right? Like, I think every a- other game they're going to be dogs. I mean, Arizona, if that was at home, maybe you could talk me into it, but that's going to be on the road. Yeah. Um, I, I, this is this is a dicey, dicey slate. Are you are you like Arizona went one and eleven last year, and the only win was COVID Cal that you know imploded. Um, they could have beat a tomato can that day. That was about it. But what? I mean, are you looking at? We haven't done our picks yet. We'll do it in the off season. I mean, this is a. If I gave you over under one and a half wins, which way are you going? For Colorado. Yeah. I mean, I'll say they accidentally get into two, but it's yeah. going to be tough. But if I it's get over, really over under two and a half, you would go under. Yeah, I'm going under two and a half. Because you're like stretching is, this, to find two. This schedule is rough. Rough schedule. Um, yeah, that, that's not good. Uh, not much better. Oh, hold on. That was, Why don't we do the drop since we're here? Colorado Buffalo. <laughs> Uh, number two, the, the second hardest schedule, according to Wilner, um, I, yeah, we would agree with number one. Well, if we disagree with any other ones, we will, but Stanford Cardinal. Yeah. So Stanford, again, like Colorado has a six, six split with home and road, which is not good. Um, they do get Colgate, which is the only reason they are, um, it's a better schedule in Colorado's because you've got to win there. But their two non-conference opponents are BYU and Notre Dame. And Notre Dame's on the road. Um, and the Pac-12 schedule, they don't get Colorado and they do get Utah, which is just absolutely disastrous. Um, <laughs> and they miss Arizona and get Arizona State, which more or less a wash. Um, but getting Utah instead of Colorado is really, really bad. Um, so the home games are Colgate, BYU, USC, Oregon State, Arizona State, and Washington State. So like we said with uh, Colorado, you can talk yourself into Arizona State. Colgate's a win. So that's two. None of these other ones are gimmies. Um, and then road games uh, – they could very easily go over six on the road. It's Notre Dame, Oregon, Washington, Utah, Cal, and UCLA. That's a three-win Stanford team to me. Uh, which, what were they in 2021? Uh, four and eight? No, they're three and nine. Oh, were they? Yeah, they were but. They yeah, did beat gonna USC. Be, they're going to be ass again. <laughs> they beat USC in Oregon, though. Uh, they get a buy in week three, according to Wilner, uh, which forces them to play 10 weeks in a row. Also, um, seems good. You know, you got guys leaving for the portal, not really replacing them. Uh, yeah, they're going three and nine. They're going three and nine again. Yeah. Wilner says he considered this, you know, potentially the number one considered the difficult schedule, but they at least have the one cupcake, uh, in Colgate. So. And it's it's a very difficult road schedule, like you said. All right, uh, number three, our new our boy uh, Landanning. Oregon Ducks. Not an easy one out of the gate for him in his first season. Yeah, another six six split. Um, Oregon has home games against BYU, Eastern Washington, Stanford, UCLA, Washington, and Utah. So, if you're looking at that, um, all those are like semi winnable, except for probably Utah. Well, even that, I mean, Oregon's got talent, but um, 
easy games, I would say it's Eastern Washington and Stanford. The other four could all be tough in their own ways. Um, and then road neutral, they've got to take on Georgia, which is probably going to beat them pretty bad. Uh, Did Georgia do well last year? Like, what were were they? They they're probably um, top twenty five or something. I, I think or? they they were competitive in the SEC. Um, <laughs> they had some talent. Uh, I think their defense was okay. Um, yeah, no, the, the, <laughs> their their defensive coordinator he went on to do something too. Uh, forget where he went. Um, so road they've got a. So it's Georgia, it's Georgia is a neutral site, but it's in Atlanta, so it's basically a road game. Then it's Washington State, Arizona, Cal, Colorado, Oregon State. So the weakness of the road slate is pretty, you know, it's pretty weak. They All of those road games, aside from Georgia, are winnable. Um, you know, they're going to have to be very good in this first year for uh, Land Danning to go like 9-3, and 10-2. and two. Um, but it's on there. Like they can do that. It's just a tough slate. Yeah. Uh, in the Pac-12, they do miss USC, um, and I think you probably want to miss USC this year and get UCLA. So that's good. Um, and then ASU Arizona, like we said, it's probably a wash. So it's it's not a it's not a like absolute hurricane of a of a schedule. Like they they can manage this, but it is it's not easy. Yeah, getting Utah at home at least helps a little. Maybe you know some revenge. Because Utah absolutely just boat raced them twice, you know. So uh, they get them to come up to Austin, and you know maybe they can change their fortunes. I don't know. We'll see. Right. All right, number four, Arizona Wildcats. <laughs> Jet Fish, a lot of momentum, but a tough slate. Yeah. So this one, um, the the it's the quality of the opponents that's the tough part because the the schedule sets up okay. It's got seven home games and five road games. Um, two of the non-conference opponents at home, and it's also the year where they have five conference home games, so that adds up to seven. Um, Mississippi State and North Dakota State are both at home. Um, I think you know North Dakota State's a really good FCS. Uh, they could very well lose that one, but probably going to be favored. And then it's Colorado, USC, Oregon, Washington State, and ASU at home. Um, they can definitely beat Colorado. They can definitely beat Washington State. They can definitely beat ASU. Um, so I think that's, you know, they they can, you don't have to squint too hard to see four and three in that home slate um, where USC, Oregon, and Mississippi State are the losses. Then on the road, oh, sorry, go ahead. No, 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 that's right. Yeah, like, which, that's that's pretty good considering you won one game last year, right? I yeah, mean, and, yeah, and that's probably four games where um, they'll either be favored or pick them. Uh, and then road games, uh, San Diego State, Cal, Washington, Utah, and UCLA. They could very well lose all five of those. Um, you know, it's the road. Uh, Washington has talent. Utah is very good. UCLA has experienced and pretty good talent. Um, and Cal, they're decent enough that they'll probably be favored. And San Diego State's always pretty good. So uh, you could look at this and see you know, potentially as many as five wins, but I'll, I'll stand at four and eight. The uh, misses are Stanford and Oregon State. So instead of Stanford, they get Cal, which I think is probably not favorable. And instead of Oregon State, they get Oregon, which is definitely not favorable. So yeah. opponents-wise, difficult. The home split, home road split is beneficial. I say four and eight. Yeah, I mean, I, I could see that uh, happening. I would say if you look at the misses in the north, it's just the way my gut feeling is now. You want to 
you don't want to miss Stanford. You want Stanford on your schedule. If you if you miss Stanford, that's definitely a big negative. Everybody else, like I think all of them could be on the, you know, the the five and seven, the seven and five range, you know, like, like Oregon's gonna, you know, they have potential to be a lot better than obviously. But like, you know, could Washington State be a bowl team for sure? Could Oregon State again? Yes, you know, Washington could. Um, Cal could. So I I don't know if it's like would you rather miss Cal or Washington or Oregon state or Washington state? Like, I don't, I would put them all in sort of the same category. So I've Oregon at the top. And like, so if you miss Oregon, that's good. If you miss Stanford, that's bad. Everyone else I kind of put in the same category, but missing the North. I don't know what you feel about it. Yeah, I think that's probably right. Okay. Uh, number five, we have Utah. Utes. All right, so Utah has the classic 6-6 split. Um, the non-conference schedule, though, is pretty manageable. Uh, the two home games are Southern Utah and San Diego State. Utah should be able to win both of those. And then uh, the rest of the home slate is Oregon State, USC, Arizona, and Stanford. Um, obviously, with Utah's ability and talent, all of those are winnable. They'll be favored in, yes, every single one of these games. 6-0 um, at home seems very doable. USC, obviously, looming is the main challenge. Any disagreement? No, I would say the way that's looking up, um, you know, Utah's done really well when they played USC at home. I mean, they've been doing really well last. You get the revenge against San Diego State. You get revenge against Oregon State. Um, you know, all teams you want to get revenge on, you get at home. Uh, I think it makes a lot, you know, it, yeah, they're going to be favoring all those uh, and probably significantly in most of them. Right. And then on the road, it's at Florida, which looms as the um, the 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 resume potential. Um, so Florida is good enough that it's going to be a challenging game and also good enough that I think it'll boost Utah's resume. You know, they they have a, a decent Mountain West opponent in San Diego State at home and then a pretty good power five opponent on the road that's going to play well um if they are you know setting up to be a playoff contender and then it's road games at asu ucla washington state oregon and colorado oregon on the road that's going to be a marquee game um ucla could be sneaky difficult uh but these other three i think they should be able to win um going away uh so i think it sets up basically for utah there are four games on this schedule that are meaningful and important and uh, they absolutely uh, need to have a decent enough showing. I think they, you know, go three and one in these games and we're talking playoff, which is USC, Florida, UCLA, and Oregon. Um, and then in the misses, they have uh, Washington. They miss Washington, get Washington state, which, you know, you just made a good point, but I would still say it's probably slightly beneficial to avoid Washington and get Washington state instead. And they avoid Cal and get Stanford, which is probably, again, slightly beneficial to Utah. Yeah, I would say significantly beneficial. To yeah, Stanford, significantly whatever. beneficial. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, and I think the Florida game might be the most important one in the Pac-12 because Utah's the, the you know, standard bear right now. If they go on the road and lose to Florida and then go like 11-1, and one, it just looks bad for the conference. So you got to go out and spank Florida. They're one-and-a-half point favorite right now. So that's a big one. I think maybe the biggest game in the Pac-12. Agreed. Uh, number six. Arizona State Sun Devils. <laughs> All right. Another 6-6 split, but um, their non-conference is even weaker than uh, Utah's. So they 
have two non-conference home games. Uh, one is Northern Arizona, that contractual obligation for the Arizona schools. That should be a win. Uh, and then the other one is Eastern Michigan, which should also be a win. The remaining home games are Utah, Washington, UCLA, and Oregon State. Um, yeah, that's tough. tough. But it's tough. tough because ASU is bad, and they're going right. to be bad. Uh, and then road games, Oklahoma State, Colorado, Stanford, Washington State, USC, and Arizona. Uh, Oklahoma State should uh, smack the crap out of them. Um, <laughs> Colorado, that's you know potentially winnable. Stanford, potentially winnable. Uh, the rest of these, Arizona, potentially winnable. You know, you can you can talk yourself into um, a potential at like. Uh, look, you could talk yourself into them potentially being a bowl team this year because of the weakness of the non-conference. Like. They can get two wins really easily in the home slate and then beat Oregon State, you're three and three. Then on the road, beat Colorado, beat Stanford, and beat Arizona. It's possible because they avoid Oregon and Cal. Um, I still think the most likely thing is something in the middle, probably like four and eight. Yeah, I would I would agree with you there. They do miss Cal and Oregon pretty good as far as misses go. It's just gonna be I think they're gonna be bad. You know? Yeah, I, I don't think they're going to be good at all, and I think they're going to have that dead man walking feel because they should have fired their coach. They should still fire their coach. Hey, hey, uh, Ray, if you're listening, <laughs> you should still fire Herm Edwards. I know it feels like the season is looming. Your fans will thank you. They'll be like, oh, wow, we have hope again. Your players will thank you. They'll be like, oh, wow, we have hope again. Uh, just do it. You can do it. You can do it, buddy. Fire him. Fire him now. Tomorrow. Yeah. Today. A month from now. Two months from now, any time before the start of the season, and frankly, any point after it starts, any time is a good time to fire Herm <laughs> Edwards. Nice. And they do play for their last six games on the road, according to Wilner. Uh, let's move on. we got to get through these. Number seven. Washington State Cougars. All right. Washington State has a 7-5 split and uh, another pretty weak non-conference schedule. They have Idaho and Colorado State at home. Both should be wins. Uh, Colorado State was a little bit frisky last year, but both should be wins. Um, and then it's Oregon, Cal, Utah, Arizona State, and Washington at home. The preponderance of home games is good. Uh, the opponents at home, meh. I mean, Oregon and Utah are both going to be really good. Um, Cal could be decent. ASU's bad, but Washington's tough. So... You know, looking at that, you've got two wins for sure in the non-conference, and then it's probably you know, one or two more, I would say, in that conference slate. So you're at four. Then it's road games. Wisconsin, USC, Oregon State, Stanford, and Arizona. Uh, a lighter road slate after Wisconsin and USC. Um, both of those probably losses. But then it's Oregon State, Stanford, and Arizona. All of those winnable. Very um, winnable, yeah. So you can you can see a bowl team potentially there. Um, and they avoid UCLA, which is probably not great, though. UCLA is going to be good. It's just USC might be better. And then they avoid Colorado in favor of Utah, which is definitely not great. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's the first time they're playing a power five opponent since 2015 uh, in the non-conference. So that's kind of cool. Wilner points that out. Um, I think that Wisconsin game could be a big one because this Washington State team, you know, I think they're going to play good defense. I think they're going to score points. Um, I mean, Wisconsin just sort of like these solid teams that can go in there and just sort of do what they do and, and kind of push you around. But if Washington State can go in there and get a win, that's another big one, I think, for the conference if they're able to do that. So, Agreed. Uh, you know, a higher a higher ranked uh, Big Ten team, uh, if Washington State goes on the road and does that, 
you know, it won't be like Oregon at Ohio State last year, but it'll be good. Uh, all right, number eight. Oregon State Beavers. This is one that I would probably disagree with. I think it's a harder slate than Wilner's given it. Um, so they've got a 7-5 split, which is good. But it's not like they've got two complete patsies in the non-conference. They've only got one. It's uh, So Boise State and Montana State at home, and then Fresno State on the road. And then the misses are UCLA and Arizona. So one of those is a wash, and the other one is probably not so good. So um, I think Oregon State's actually got a pretty tough schedule. Yeah, uh, this is. I think it's tougher than eight. Yeah, so uh, Boise State and Montana State at home, uh, they can beat Boise State. Boise State isn't probably going to be as great as they have been in the past, but it's still not like a sure thing. They'll beat Montana State, but then it's USC, Washington State, Colorado, Cal, and Oregon. They're probably not beating USC or Oregon. Uh, and then it's Washington State, Colorado, and Cal. Uh, pull two wins out of that. Call it three, maybe four wins at home. Something like that. Uh, then it's uh, road games, uh, Fresno State, Utah, Stanford, Washington, and Arizona State. Um you know, there's potential to win, I don't know, three of those. So I think yeah, six and six, seven and five. I think that's real possibility. Yeah, I think getting back to a bowl game, um, you know, unless something really bad happens, I think the Beavs are are poised, at least the way it looks on paper, to get back and go bowling again. So And um, uh, Oregon State fans, be happy because I think we've undershot their eventual record every single year. So yeah, so they'll probably be, like, be eight and four. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, you look at the road games, like you can, you can beat Fresno State on the road. I mean, uh, you can beat Stanford on the road. You can beat Arizona State on the road. You can potentially beat Washington on the road. I mean, that's like, you know, Utah on the road is going to be tough, but they were ho- so bad on the road last year. You have some potential wins on the road this year. And that's what you, that's what you need. Um, they got to play better away from uh, Corvallis. All right. Uh, number nine, California Golden Bears. <laughs> All right, the Sturdy Golden Bear has a 7-5 split. Um, I would say this is a pretty weak schedule. Uh, UC Davis and UNLV at home. Uh, they avoid Utah and ASU in favor of Colorado and Arizona, which one of those is a big, big, big benefit, and the other one is to wash. Um, the only challenge in the schedule is really the road game against Notre Dame um, outside of like the normal conference stuff. Um, but they should beat UC Davis, beat UNLV, beat Arizona. Um and then it's Washington, Oregon, Stanford, and UCLA at home. I think they'll beat Stanford again. Um, so, yeah, and I think they'll have a chance against Washington. Probably a chance against UCLA. I mean, yeah. I think I think there's a potential for them to go 5-2 and two at home. Um, and then uh, road games, Notre Dame, Washington State, Colorado, USC, and Oregon State. Uh, they can beat Colorado. Uh, they can probably beat – they can beat Oregon State. It's just a question of will they. And they can beat Washington State. So, you know, there's there's a, a, a real potential for like eight and four. Um, but I think minimum standard this year is a bowl team for sure. Yeah. No, I would say like that after missing a bowl last year in the, in the disappointing way, um, I like the way it's setting up. Uh, there can be a whole bunch of wins at home and you steal a couple on the road and you got a better record than you, we may have thought. So uh, I like, you know, Cal, a little upward trajectory for me. Uh, number 10. USC Trojans. So the good for USC is a few things. One, they have the 7-5 split. uh, And two, they avoid Oregon in favor of Oregon State. And I'd still say Washington uh, in favor of Washington State. That's a a win for USC. Um, 
it's not like the the non-conference slate is cake though it's just they're all at home um so the seven home games are rice fresno state notre dame arizona state washington state cal and colorado so the conference slate they should sweep that at home like that should be four and oh at home in conference the non-conference I mean, they they can and probably like they'll probably not be favored against Notre Dame. Well, by the end of the season, maybe they will. Who knows? Um, Fresno State, that's a decent enough team that could give them some trouble at home. Um, but. I mean. Five and two is the absolute minimum they should be doing at home and six and one, I think anything less than that's going to be a little bit disappointing for people. Um, yeah, because Rice is not good, um, but split Fresno State, Notre Dame and win the rest. I think that'd be okay. Six and one. Um, road games, Stanford, Oregon State, Utah, Arizona, and UCLA. So there's an there's an obvious loss in there at Utah. Uh, they haven't played well at Utah, and Utah's probably the best it's ever been. Uh, UCLA at the Rose Bowl has historically been much more of a challenge for USC. So that could be a loss, too. But the rest of the three should be wins. So, I mean, you could go to Corvallis and lose. I mean, I, you, anyone can do that. USC has. Um, yeah. You can also go to Stanford and lose, and they've done that too. Um, but I would say, if you're putting at like a, looking at the schedule like this, I would say the satisfying floor for USC is nine and three. I think anything under that is not going to feel satisfying. Yeah, no, I would agree with you there. Uh, we got two more. Number eleven, Washington Huskies. <laughs> All right, Washington, kind of a similar boat to USC actually. So it's the same seven five split and the same thing where they have um, all three of their non-conference opponents at home. Uh, and two of them are extremely weak, so that's why they're ranked below USC and Wilner's thing, which I tend to agree with. Uh, Kent State and Portland State should both be dramatic wins for Washington. Michigan State at home, uh, better to get them at home than on the road, but uh, that'll be a tough one. Um, and then it's Stanford, Arizona, Oregon State, and Colorado at home. All four of those. I mean, look, that's a that's a cakewalk, but that's a, like you could like tailor made Pac-12 they schedule. Should be, they should be six and one at home. Yeah. Like, they should be. All right, then it's road games. Uh, at UCLA, at Arizona State, at Cal, at Oregon, at Washington State. So, Arizona State, I think we would say Washington should be favored. Uh, then Washington State and Cal, at worst, pick right? Yeah. And at UCLA, I think that one's... that that That's probably going to be UCLA favored, but... Look, Washington could go 9-3 and three ne- next year and not be all that good. Yeah. Uh, because of the 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 way the schedule sets up. Well, they miss USC and Utah. Yeah, they miss USC and Utah, the two best contenders in the South, probably. Yeah, they, so, that's probably the best of any of these twelve teams. That's probably the best miss, right? Like two misses. Yeah, that's really good. Washington, uh, Washington should be setting up for a really good year in Kalen DeBoer's first year. And if it isn't really good, that's probably a bad sign. Yeah, they don't have a. And Wilner points out they don't have a road game until October first. So. Yeah. All right, but the easiest schedule, and that, you know, for my buddy Chip getting his extension, they reward him with an easy schedule. Here you go. David loves this. UCLA Bruins. UCLA has that most rare of occurrences, an 8-4 home road split. Holy smokes. And here what this pile of shit road schedule, <laughs> what this pile of shit home schedule is. The non-conference includes Bowling Green, Alabama State, and South Alabama. Not only should UCLA win those, if they don't win those three games by each at least three touchdowns, something has gone horribly wrong. 
Um, that should be three and zero, no problem. Uh, they're breaking the FCS uh, barrier, uh, bringing in Alabama State. Um, so that's three and zero in non-conference without breaking too much of a sweat. Then it's Washington at home, Utah, Stanford, Arizona, and USC. Stanford and Arizona should both be wins with no problem. So that's five right there. And then between Washington, Utah, and USC, they're they're going to win at least one. And the question is whether they get to two. Um, and if, you know, that's minimum, I think six and two at home is what's going to come out of this. Um, then road games, it's Colorado, Oregon, Arizona state and Cal. They'll beat Colorado on the road because, as we've talked about, they're bad. Uh, they'll probably beat Arizona State on the road because, as we've talked about, they're bad. And then it's a question of Cal and Oregon. Um, Cal's going to be decent enough. That game will probably be close to a pick And then Oregon, uh, they'll have more talent. They'll probably be favored. Um, they could, uh, but just, again, they could go 3-1 and one in that slate. Um, so 8-4 <laughs> is the absolute... I think minimum acceptable thing. And I think it's going to have to be nine and three to actually move the needle with people. Um, but it sets up for UCLA to actually put together a pretty gaudy record without being very good. I mean, obviously, so there's complete justification for the extension. Uh, yeah, I will, and I and you can it. argue that they should have more money, more years. Um, yeah, that's, this is great. I mean, it's, yeah, this is uh, awesome. Maybe, maybe another extension. For the Bruins. Maybe you should just extend them now. Get it <laughs> anticipation. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, that's all the schedule stuff. Um, thanks that's for uh, stuff. Thank you for uh, thank you for you know bringing it to the people, Brian. Yeah. Well, I know. I know you got like a hard out here, so let's take a quick break. We'll come back and uh, get. Through. We got a bunch of questions this week. We'll try to get through them all. Uh, back in a minute. <laughs> Little Wing is now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. I'm in a period of emotional people. It's all the, oh, I don't care crap. A little adventure. Where are you going? I'm going to steal a bird from the Russian pigeon mafia. Let's do it. Goes a long way. <laughs> Starring Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Life can hurt, but life is sweet. Little Wing, rated PG-13, may be inappropriate for children under 13. Now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. The hit Paramount Plus original docuseries returns. The last time I saw Max, he looked at us laughing, and then everything changed in a blink of an eye. My feeling as a detective is that he was murdered. Yahoo Entertainment calls it a spine-chilling docuseries, showcasing real-life tragedies. What if it was your child who went missing? We need to know the truth. Never seen again. Now streaming on Paramount Plus. All right. We're back here on the podcast of champions. Uh, we got uh, some emails to get to this week. Uh, Mark in Vancouver sent us one about off-season chat. And he says, hello, champs. Thought of a different, um, t- I guess, topic you guys can discuss. Pac-12 coaches as cars. All right. Are you liking the way this is uh, shaping up so far? No, but let's go. Okay. Jake Dickert. He's a Honda CRV. Not flashy, but does most of what you need. Okay. Okay. Jed Fish, uh, modified Honda Civic with a spoiler and loud exhaust. Very flashy and popular with the teens, but hasn't proven to be a high performer. Okay. Okay. Uh, I can buy that. 
David Shaw, he's a Toyota Avalon, stubbornly, continually with the same approach, uh, despite everyone else moving on. He right. stubbornly continues with the same approach, despite people moving on. Are you a car guy, Ryan? Uh, I mean, I like cars, but I don't, I can't tell you like, oh yeah, the Avalon, that was, a, you know, the, the 81 model was way better. Like, no, I don't, that's not me. I, yeah, yeah, I, I, I got nothing. So let's go. Let's keep going. Lincoln Riley, he's a brand new C8 Corvette taking a model that hasn't been taken seriously by other supercar manufacturers and trying to prove they belong. So I, w- I wouldn't know that the C8 Corvette is one of those ones that they try to make it look cool or be awesome, but it's not considered part of that. They're not at the cool supercar table, I guess. That's what he's insinuating here. I wouldn't know that. I don't. I, I assume you don't either. No, I know nothing. Uh, okay, but we'll, we'll we'll take him at his word. Carl Durrell, he's a Chevy Cavalier. That was my first car. Uh, I had like a little wagon thing. Chevy Cavalier, never really any good when new, and definitely not now. Oh, okay. Uh, Justin Wilcox, he's a Volvo wagon, pretty decent all around, but needs constant work to keep it going. That'd be more some of those like German, like Audis, I think. They're like that. Speaking of Audis, uh, Kalen DeBoer, he's an Audi A4. Nice and capable. Doesn't have uh, massive flaws, but won't really set the world on fire either. Okay. Uh, Chip Kelly, he's a 15-year-old BMW M3. I think Gerard drives that, by the way. So he's Gerard drives a Chip Kelly car. Fun and exciting when new, but now it's expensive to maintain. It doesn't perform the same way anymore. I'll have to ask GM about that and see. Uh, do you like that one? Love it. Uh, I would. I'm, I'm taking offense to that a little bit because he's obviously doing much better. Uh, Kyle Whittingham, 25-year-old Toyota 4Runner. Dependable, a bit boring sometimes, but always gets the job done. Uh, okay, Herm Edwards, the entire Buick brand, completely surpassed by everyone else, and they all wonder why they're still around. Okay. Jonathan Smith is a Mazda Miata. Do they make those anymore? I don't know. Never as fast as the big boys, but we'll have a fun time anyway. And then Land Danning, he wrote it that way. Ford F-150, rugged and dependable, but doesn't stand out too much. I uh, hope you had fun reading. Keep up the adequacy, Mark in Vancouver. Love it. All right, this is from Andrew. Uh, hi, I was, fl- I was the flying or road trip question guy. I was a bit surprised at Dave's answer about flying. Nothing bugs you? There has to be something. What about pooping on a plane? Does pooping bug you? With that, what is the most inconvenient or stress-inducing place to poop? Have a beautiful day. Um, <laughs> no, honestly. Like, it's kind of a cool experience, too. Like, you poop on a plane, and then it does the weird, like, shop vac thing where it just, like, scoots your poop down. I mean, it's kind of cool, right? I, no? Yeah, I mean, the only thing is, like, if you know there's people waiting. You know, that's the, there's, like, li- if there's lines, I don't want to poop on the plane. Try not to poop on the plane. No, I mean, like, like, honestly, I think I pooped on a plane one time and it was one of those, you know, after like a bachelor party weekend where it was just necessary, Um, which actually added to the effect where it was probably really bad for the people who came in after me. But um, all right. Most inconvenient or stress inducing place to poop. Um, Gosh. I remember as a kid, we were like some camp or park or something and it was like outside like a, it was basically like an outhouse and there was like bees in there and stuff and that was that was pretty stressful so uh, usually like say, camping ones are bad yeah. no nah, those are okay for me i would say like a bar that only has like a single bathroom or like one of those kind of like just dingy dive bars 
um, or like a Starbucks that only like anything that only has a single bathroom for something that is like way too many people there. Yeah. Because when you got to go, you got to go like, right. You you know, sometimes you just got to do it. Uh, But then you're like rushing and you're having a white fast and doing the whole thing. Like, I don't consider a plane the same thing because planes usually have multiple bathrooms. They do. Uh, but sometimes Somebody's going like to be getting out way. of that sucker. I wouldn't be doing it when it's like there's the rush, like after the drinks have come and everyone's trying to pee. No, like it's gotta no, no, be, no, you know, no, no, yeah. no. You, you find a time like mid flight. Uh, yeah. But uh, the, uh, the, the single stalls, I think that's the biggest, the biggest worry is whenever, because you're not trying to inconvenience anybody. You're not trying to make it a. No. A big thing. Um, and uh, so like anytime where it's a single toilet for an entire like restaurant or an entire bar or whatever it is, that's where you run into some stress. Yeah. We got uh, Evan, not from Tempe. Uh, he says no time for attempts at humor. He's got two subjects he wants to talk about. One, I've never been as dispassionate about college football as I am now. With all the NIL changes, the kids should get some money. But man, it really is the Wild West out there. Kids getting paid more than some NFL players with college football, having free agency every offseason. The feeling that the players are playing for the same school as we as we all attended is no more. It's just a paycheck. Now. It's just a paycheck now. And the richest programs just get richer. Am I wrong in feeling this way? I just don't have the heart to get so emotionally invested in my team that's comprised of guys who will jump ship for a dollar more at another school. Feel free to call me out if you want. Relatedly. Where do you see this sport in five to 10 years exactly anyway? I'm certainly not optimistic. So, Evan, the thing is, I don't think that's happening at any school that's healthy. Like any program that's healthy, I don't think you're going to see guys jump ship for a dollar more to another school. Uh, I think the reality is where it's happening is with guys who were kind of cheesed off to to begin with uh, or programs that are like sinking, like ASU. Um, It's just there's – I think there's – the beauty of the money is it gives guys more opportunities, especially with the relaxed transfer rules, and it's getting more money to the players, which is good. But I think you're still going to have, like, essentially the homebody effect, where guys don't want to move if they don't have to. They don't want to have to go to a new school if they don't have to. Um, and it's only – I think the money is going to be an incentive, but I don't think it's going to be the reason for most of these guys because I think the money is going to be fine enough. Like, once this all, like – works out the money's going to be fine enough to keep guys in who want to be there um it's just the guys who don't want to be there and they weren't the ones who were like doing well for your program in the first place um the guys who don't want to be there are going to find a way to transfer out no matter what and i would i wouldn't get discouraged by some of the numbers that are being thrown out there because i think a lot of it's just bullshit and there's you know wannabe agents or whatever yeah they're just putting big numbers out there because it helps their clients but the Residual effect is it's discouraging college football fans, which will probably hurt their clients down the road, but maybe their clients will be gone by then. So I wouldn't look at that. Oh, $30 million number. Like, I don't think those are real. So there's money, but there's not like real money. Like Bijan. So here's what you should take away from this. Bijan Robinson, the Texas running back, they had some kind of event, like Sark held some camp or something like that. And they had like, it was something about speed. I forget the exact thing what it was, but. But anyway, they had like local, some car dealers came and like the local Lamborghini dealer comes. The guy had no idea about college football, didn't know what NIL was. And Bijan, you know, Robinson's roommate, like talked to the guy and like, hey, you should have a sponsorship deal with with my roommate. And uh, and they set it up. He's like, now he gets a Lamborghini for like the uh, for a semester or a year or something. Um, that's just like 
cool. Like that's cool that you can do something like that. And that was a dude that had no idea what college football was. Um, I wouldn't get, hopefully you don't get discouraged and stuff like that. Like, Oh, he's driving a Lamborghini. Well, they're giving it to him for a year or whatever. And that that's cool stuff. And I think that's more the real than these guys are getting $8 million or whatever it is. All right. The next no. one's a, a, an apology from Thomas, which. Oh, is, wait, did you get the number two part or no? Oh, did we not do that yet? No, we did. It's a so, thoughts on the PAC 12 athletic. So I don't know what this is. I don't he know says, what this is about. So I don't know. Yeah, we can, we'll skip this one. He's talking about a PAC 12 athletic director that followed some weird people. Evan, you didn't say who it was, so we can't, I don't or know who that is following. So I have no idea what this is about. Yeah. All right. So we'll skip that. Um, Thomas is, I'm going to skip because it's just an apology for the long one, which never apologized to us, Thomas. Yeah, you're fine, Thomas. He, you wrote a lot in the last one. Uh, we didn't, we never posted it to the blog. I'm sorry about that, but. All right. This is yeah. from, uh, Keon. Hi fellows. Here's a few non-football questions. Uh, Ryan, which specialty cocktail, i.e. more than just spirit plus mixer, do you enjoy during the daytime and which do you enjoy in the evening? Side note, your homemade margarita sounds delicious. Um, I mean the daytime stuff, I'm more of like just a. I mean, it's pretty simple. Like I like mimosas and stuff. Um, I like mules. Like maybe that, maybe the mule would be more Moscow mules, more in my daytime one and like an old fashioned, uh, for a late night one. I old fashioned. I want the big chunk of ice, like the block. I don't want like ice cubes. Um, you get, don't, and don't order, don't order old fashions at some, you know, at like a, Irish bar or something. Well, I mean, they have whiskey. We, we did that this weekend. I was in a wedding and it was like kind of a good, a decent Irish bar, but the way they made the old fashioned was terrible. It's gotta be like a cocktail place. Uh, and I would get that old fashioned. Okay. David, what do you think will happen to Kim Wexler at the end of better call Saul? So Keon, I am not Spoilers. caught up. I've only yeah, been neither. a couple episodes in, so I don't know, but the reality is she's not in breaking bad. So she's either dead or she, uh, is uh hidden away by a vacuum cleaner guy yeah uh which it's kind of scary um see I'm, i've watched a few of the episodes but uh i like the show i mean i love breaking bad so uh frank in sacramento who hates flying it says you guys are crazy flying is horrible you guys were both saying how much you love flying flying is horrible and it starts with the drive to the airport first you turn to the airport exit which looks like another freeway and suddenly there's a flashing sign saying slow down you're going over 35 miles an hour next you get to the parking ramp and they tell you where you can and can't park and that the good floor is full. And remember to validate your ticket at the kiosk before you return. I don't drive the airport. I don't. Park. No, I, I get rides. Come on. Yeah, Uber, you. Uber there, buddy. Uh, what's <laughs> or get a friend. Um, and, and David lives like literally could walk to the airport. So once in the airport, you hear a scary message uh, saying, don't leave your bag or we'll think it's a bomb. It'll be thrown away and you'll be arrested. Uh, so you have to take your bag into the bathroom and roll it through horrible stuff where people trip over it. It's a bag. Um, Who cares? <laughs> I buy that Tide. There's like a sanitation um, spray, like for like fabric. I try to spray like my luggage with that stuff. So there's a little. Tip Why? Who cares? You, well, you you've got like okay. When you go to the bathroom and like you're in there, you're just like walking out with just feces all over you, right? Why do you care about your bag? Why I mean, you just in general. Yourself in sanitizer. If you're gonna be that much of a. I mean, I shower it? after I fly, but like I'm saying, I try to sanitize my my bag sometimes it just helps do whatever because yeah, you're a freak okay thanks uh then you get to security where you get yelled at about taking off your shoes and taking out your laptop and taking off your belt and getting yelled again for holding up your pants and the x-ray which is bad for you again clear tsa pre-check you solve all those things also uh, also none of these are an actual issue yeah 
Then you finally sit down and wait for your plane and have to listen to crazy loud messages about some other plane loading or someone, somebody whose car is parked in the wrong spot outside and it's going to be towed. This is from a Cowtown airport. This is from Sacramento airport. Okay. Yeah. Uh, then you go to the plane, which is jammed because airlines are cheap and cancel your flight if it's not full. They give you bad snacks and tell you uh, you can turn on your computer and when you can go, turn you, tell you when you can turn on your computer, when you can go to the bathroom. And the old lady who took extra time to get on takes a bunch of time to get off and slows everybody down. That old lady does slow you down, yeah. Then several days later, you finally get home and you realize you hate flying because you can't get out of the parking lot because you forgot to validate your parking ticket. A lot of your problems be solved by not parking. And also, don't be in such a rush, man. It's not that big of a deal. You can sit in the you can sit on this like plane for like an extra five minutes while the old lady gets her bag down. It's no big deal. He seems like he's there's a lot of stress in his life. Like yeah, Frank, he, you seem stressed out. You need to take some deep breathing. Okay, you need to take some deep breaths. Yeah, I mean, I'm not saying you should be giddy that someone else is getting their car towed, but you don't need to be sad about it. It's like yeah, someone you don't know they're getting their car towed. Also, plug in some headphones and watch a movie, buddy. Like just download some nice stuff on your phone. And watch it. You can watch I mean, it at the airport. On you the don't. plane, like, you can, if you have, like, the iPhone, which is one of the things I like about the iPhone, you can use your iMessage, or if you have WhatsApp or anything, a lot don't of them. take this dip- opportunity to disconnect. Do not get on the Wi-Fi. Instead, download some stuff via Netflix before the flight and watch it. You can do that, or you can watch the movies that they have on the plane, like, for free. Yeah, there's lots of stuff you can do, Frank. Yeah. Sorry, Enjoy Frank. Enjoy the process, man. Um, all right. One last one. This is from Paul. Video podcast. You forced me to sit through two full hours of garbage each and every week, and now you're considering making me watch with my God-given eyeballs what is surely to be far, far more unscrupulous? I won't have it. I can't take it anymore. Anyway, what are the best and worst real jobs you've done in the past? Your current jobs do not count because they are not real. Okay, we can do this really quick. I've got I've got a minute left. Okay. All right. Best job I've ever had is um, a camp counselor at uh, the rec park in El Segundo when I was like 18 years old. I taught uh, like eight-year-olds how to, how to shoot arrows, and I myself do not know how to shoot an arrow. Uh, <laughs> it, was, it was like my dream. I will, I will pontificate as if I know what I'm talking about based on like half-remembered scenes from Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, and these children will eat it up. I should have been a teacher. Um, my worst job was, uh, I think I've talked about it before, but it was um, working at a... SEO marketing agency um, where I was rapidly promoted from an account manager to the head of the content department within about three months. And I basically decided that a, that a place as unstable as that that would promote me that rapidly was not a place I could work anymore. But it was um, a classic job. I think many of you have probably had this feeling. We're driving to it every day. It was like, do I want to go into work today or do I want to drive into an embankment? Um <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, it was touch and go there for a bit. Uh, nice. Um, and by the way, we didn't do the video yet. Cause I don't think David set up the, uh, the YouTube channel yet, but you know, is that a shocker? Um, I've been lucky. I've had a lot of really good jobs that I've enjoyed. Uh, when I was an engineer, I mean, I, I enjoyed that. I mean, I was making real money, but like back in, back in the day, like in college, I was working at the Lion center at USC, like the athletic center, like in the workout rooms, like I would, I would literally sit at a desk sign people into the Stairmaster and like eat pizza while I watch people work out. That was not bad at all. Um, I enjoyed uh, working security over at the Shrine Auditorium, got to meet a bunch of celebrities and stuff when I was at USC. But my favorite probably like non-real job, like 15 years old, you know, 
riding my bike to the local grocery store, the Big D. I was working in the produce department. I learned a lot about music and people and met people from different high schools around, you know, the, where I lived and growing up. And I really loved doing that. Starting up, I made three thirty-five an hour back in the day. So that I really enjoyed that. Later in high school, I worked at Strawberries Records and Tapes, which was like this local. I mean, there was like a chain of like record stores in New England in like the returns department. It was like dusty boxes where you're like picking up, scanning different things and putting them in boxes to be returned to whatever, like all the different record companies and stuff. That was, that was a shit job. I remember I just, that's the only job I just like walked away from. I just like left one day. I think at lunch, I'm like, fuck this. I'm out. <laughs> I just left. Right. So that was my worst one. Love it. All right. Uh, well, good stuff, David. Great stuff, Ryan. Uh, awesome. Well, I hope you guys enjoyed the show. We are the podcast of champions talking about Pac-12 football each and every week. I'm Ryan Abraham. Thanks so much for tuning in, and we will talk to you next time. Bye. Check out our new NBA show, Beyond the Arc, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network, where you can find me, John Gonzalez, NBA insider Bill Ryder, and Ashley Nicole Moss, five days a week talking all things NBA. Whether you're looking for insightful discussions, upbeat commentary, breaking news, interviews, or coverage of all the biggest stories in the NBA, our new show is the place to be five days a week. Download and follow Beyond the Arc on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your favorite podcasts.